Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Good morning and hello, ProductCon. Uh, great to be here and, and speak with all of you today. And when um, I thought about what topic I was going to do, I really thought about all the other speakers that were here today, but also what could I bring from my experience that would be really beneficial. So just to give you a quick background into my experience, I've been a product manager for around four years now, and I love to talk about product, and I love to share my experience and be part of the community, and that's really a big deal why I'm here. My experience started as a product manager at McDonald's, um, I worked there for just under four years, and I was leading a multidiscipline product team that were focused on simplifying the lives of frontline employees. And at McDonald's, that's quite a lot of people, it was about 1.2, 1.3 million. So a lot of responsibility and a, a lot of challenges. And we were working on omnichannel platforms that we rolled out to around 20 countries. Recently, I took up a new challenge, joining Habitat, which is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, a high-end retailer. If you're looking for a great sofa, come see us. And it was a really interesting move for me because I worked on such a big scale with McDonald's, but I wanted to join a much smaller company so I could kind of get back into the trenches and, and really get focused on, on a product that is the core driver of the business. So uh, our e-commerce platform is really what drives most of our sales. So it's a really small company, almost like a startup in that sense, but it's a really exciting place to be a product owner for. And we're working on transitioning as well into kind of more agile ways of working. So we've got a lot of really great things happening. But today, I really wanted to focus not particularly on the products that I've worked on, but really one of my philosophies and, and a value that I hold myself accountable to on a daily basis. And that is that great product managers build great relationships. And it's something that I strive for on a daily basis. Um, and I think it's something that's really critical to being a successful product manager. And when I say relationships, I don't just mean stakeholder management. It is about everyone in the business. It is about other people in the product community, where I've gotten a lot of benefit from speaking to my colleagues backstage and fellow speakers, and hopefully have some conversations with all of you later. And so it's really, I think, calling it stakeholder management doesn't do it justice. It's about building relationships. And when I started to think about this topic and my experiences with, with this challenge, really there were kind of two key differences. Um, at McDonald's, I was based in London, but I had some teams in the US and, and Spain, and then, of course, I had some stakeholders all over the world. So a lot of it was remote, um, and I'm probably going to focus a bit more on that today because I think that's probably the more challenging 
uh, thing to do when you're a product manager is building those relationships um, across time zones and across cultures, as Claire talked about in the world. But then, of course, there's face-to-face, and both have their pros and cons, and, and both teach you a lot about your ability to be an effective communicator as well. Now, I was lucky enough to be in Mauritius last week with my girlfriends, and it got me reflecting on how lucky we were to spend some of these incredible moments together. But then there is a catch. We don't actually get to do this very often because currently she lives in Dubai and I live in London. So I started to think about this talk today and thought about how we'd actually built our relationship through technology um, without the luxury of doing it face-to-face. And then I thought a little bit more about how McDonald's had really helped me develop my communication capabilities by having to work remote across the world and how it had taught me a lot about myself and how to be an effective communicator. And if I take a day in my life when I was working at McDonald's, um, I'd have myself, a product owner, and a business analyst. We were based in London. I then had the rest of the Scrum team were based in Spain. I had a business analyst working closely with my U.S. colleagues and stakeholders and customers in the U.S. And then, of course, I had a girlfriend who needed my time in Dubai. And it, it, it forces you to really value your own time, but also the time of, of your colleagues and other people in your life. And it really pushes you to find more efficient ways to build relationships and communicate with people. So when I think about my team, for me as a product manager, and I think any product manager, it needs to be more than just a taskmaster. And when you have someone in the US who maybe is getting up, say, five or six hours behind you, you don't want the relationship to just be a series of tasks and emails that you're sending that person, and they never really get to interact with you, and they never really get to understand what's happening. So for me, one of the most interesting challenges was how do I inspire my team when I don't have the privilege of being with them face-to-face? How do I remind them of what our vision is and make sure that they understand it in everything that they do? And when you start then to think about it, of course, what comes to mind is, well, how can technology help me? So really, I started to learn that I needed to work smarter, not harder, And because of the different time zones, um, I look to things like Asana or any task management tool to be a way for us as a team across Spain and the US to really communicate and update each other on what we were working on. So we would have two products. We had a talent management application we worked on as well in our verticals. So really, it was using a tool like this to be able to update on task management, where we were, um, what was currently going on with each project, maybe how particular stakeholders and key markets were feeling. And the important part about using this tool, though, was that when I did get out of bed or before I went to bed, depending on who I was speaking with, I would be able to have a conversation with them and remind them what our goals were, what our vision is, what the strategy is, what we're trying to do. So it didn't just become a relationship where I was just chasing them 
on what I needed them to do and what we were supposed to be working on, what was coming up in the next sprint, because I left a lot of that work in our task management tools. And I think that's a really valuable lesson. Product management, it's, it, it, yes, of course, it's about shipping the product, but it is also about being a leader and about inspiring the people that work for you. And this is one of the ways that I was able to do it. And the point really is that technology should be an enabler. I've seen a, a lot of great tools out there. I have a lot of people contact me trying to sell me tools. And I think the question you should always ask yourself is, are these tools going to enable us as a team to work more efficiently, deliver quicker, build better relationships with our suppliers, our stakeholders? You've got to ask those fundamental questions before you start to introduce tools. And again, I'm talking about it on a remote scale. Obviously, it's a lot more common face-to-face. -face. I still think you should ask those questions, but of course, probably more relevant to people who are working with remote teams. So when I look at Skype, Working within Scrum, uh, our product owner would join the daily Scrum on Skype, and they'd use video so that they could build those relationships. Claire talked about how getting to go to Japan and build those face-to-face -face relationships, eat loads of sushi, it makes a big difference, but you may not have, obviously, the privilege to do that. So, again, think about how technology helps you in that scenario. If we needed to convince 20 HR and IT directors at McDonald's the obvious thing we could do is get everyone on a webinar, get them on a Skype call, and use, say, something like Envision if we wanted to build an interactive prototype, say, after doing a design sprint. And it really allowed you to bring everyone in on the conversation. And that's what you know, Scrum's about, right? What Agile's about, yeah. Interactions between people, not about processes. So it's really about finding tools that are going to help you and, and not hinder you. So I've got three key points that I want to talk through regarding stakeholders and, and the relationships. And the first one, I think, is something that's really important and probably gets overlooked, and that is about listening. Maybe your boyfriend, maybe your girlfriend tells you you don't do enough of it. But the same goes in business. As a product manager, you deal a lot with having to say no. And you'll see a lot of talks in the art of saying no. And it can be a big challenge, but you need to be very conscious that you don't just become someone who's seen as a blocker, someone who, in your stakeholder's opinion, maybe stifles creativity and, and has complete control over the product and doesn't let anyone kind of get a look in. So sometimes it's understanding that your stakeholders, maybe they just want to vent and they just want you to listen. They just want to know that their voice is heard. So I think that's a good advice to begin with. At McDonald's, it's a little bit more complicated than Habitat because I had 20 countries that were using our products. It wasn't as easy for me to just keep in the back of my mind, I need to have a chat with this person, I need to keep up to date. Um, so I went about it in a bit more of a structured way. So if you take something like stakeholder metrics or stakeholder maps, you've probably seen something quite familiar. Um, it was really important that I understood who the key stakeholders were and make sure that I would keep them informed about the decisions that were being made. They understood the roadmap. They understood why we were going in a certain direction. And probably more importantly, they understood maybe when we weren't going to do something that they wanted us to do. So if I take McDonald's, for example, we put together a live document, uh, which me and my team used, which would essentially be a pulse check tracker of each individual market 
what conversations we'd had with them, when we'd had that last conversation, how they were feeling, what their potential struggles were, so that when we did book some time in to talk with them and give them an update, we were able to quickly look over this tracker and just make sure that we understood maybe what concerns, what issues they had, how it related to what we were currently doing, so we could set ourselves up in the right way to have the right conversation. And again, of course, it's about making sure you make the most of your time and their time. And we would have background slides with the key stakeholders as well. This might seem, obviously, very methodical, but it, it kind of has to be that way when you talk about you have maybe three to four stakeholders in 20 countries. You know, you're easily nearly hitting 100 people. Uh, it depends how good your memory is, but it can help, obviously, just to keep track of it and, and be able to reference it when you need it. My second key point is something you'll probably hear a lot about around product managers and product owners that often tell you you're supposed to be the voice of the customer. And it's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, um, but I really, truly wonder how many of us are doing it. And again, it's something that I always challenge myself on. So you really, and particularly maybe if you come into a company that has a product that you're inheriting or starting from scratch, you should be asking yourself the question, do I know who my customers are? And do I understand what their struggles and their pain points are? What problems am I trying to solve for them? At McDonald's, I would often struggle with this because I was in a small digital office in London, and I would feel very removed from my customers at times who were frontline employees. I was fortunate enough, of course, to go to London offices and go to uh, London restaurants and speak with them. But our biggest market was the US with around 14,000 restaurants, which is about 13 times the size of the UK. So when I did get an opportunity to go to Chicago or go somewhere else in the States, I would make sure that I was able to spend a day in a restaurant and run some focus groups and speak with the customer. And really, it would be about validating um, our hypothesis as well to make sure, are we going in the right direction? Are the problems we think they have aligned with what problems they actually have? And honestly, I think it's really easy to stay isolated in your digital office and with your team and work on sprints and plan out a beautiful-looking roadmap. But if you're not doing this on a regular basis, you're in real danger of building and solving problems that no one has. So I would print this out. And as a team, we would always try and remind ourselves what the vision was, which was to simplify the lives of these people, uh, to make it easier so that we could retain talent, um, which was an incredibly difficult thing on the scale that McDonald's is doing. And always ask ourselves those questions when we're looking at roadmap and prioritization sessions. Um, so it's a very visual way, but a very important way of keeping them in front of mind. The last point is really about creating a culture of innovation. And I've been in a situation where stakeholders didn't want to tell us their ideas. They didn't want to give any feedback. And the reason was is because they felt like the door was closed on them. There was a wall up every time they tried that. So you start to see your stakeholders really lose confidence in their own ideas because they're constantly told, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not going to work. We've tried that. It doesn't make sense. And eventually, you'll find that no one 
comes to you with ideas. And of course, at McDonald's, I wasn't able to get into restaurants and see my customers face-to-face every day. So I really relied on, on stakeholders and important relationships with local business owners and directors to tell me what's happening in the market and what's happening in restaurants. So without that, we're in real risk of, of not knowing what problems to solve. Of course, I'm a bit more fortunate at Habitat because I can sit at my desk and I can pretty much see everyone you know, that I'm working with. And we have loads of very talented people who have been there a long time and know retail very well, know Habitat very well. So making sure that I give them a platform to come to me with ideas that we can talk through is really important. And it is about building a partnership. It's not about winning an argument when they come to you. You don't want to have to be telling them that they're wrong all the time. Sometimes it's about listening and sometimes about trying to help them understand what they should be thinking about. And I wonder how many people in this room are guilty of not going the extra mile to explain to your stakeholders or even your customers why you're not going to do something. And I think this is a great scapegoat that people will always turn to, and I'm guilty of it. Um, And they'll say, it's complicated. You wouldn't understand. It's really technical. I can't explain it to you, but we're not going to do it. And it starts then to just dissolve confidence. People who aren't technical, you don't expect them to know how to build it. You don't expect them to know the solution. You want them to come to you with the problem, and then you're going to solutionize together. You're going to help them figure out whether there's a business case here, whether there is benefits to it, how you're going to measure the success, and then you help them along that journey. So I think that's good advice. Try and avoid where you can of scapegoating and telling people it's just technical. Developers don't know how to do it. You wouldn't understand And you'll start to win people over. You'll start to get people investing in what your vision is. And that's why it's so much more than just stakeholder management. It's really about building relationships. So when you have conversations with the people, they feel comfortable with you. They don't feel like you're far more technical than them or far more experienced. And they don't want to come to you because they'll feel like an idiot. Um, And of course, that's that's quite nerve-wracking for someone. And they'll just stay silent. So... Point is, try be more like Morpheus. And I'll leave you with a cheesy quote. But um, Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply enough, maybe you don't, you, know, you don't understand it well enough. So I think that's a good challenge that you should ask yourself and try not hide behind excuses. Try be honest with yourself and say, do, do I really know why we shouldn't do this? Or maybe they have a good idea, but I just don't want to listen. So, yes, um, really, remember, great product managers build great relationships. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.